0: Happy Easter, my friends. We are back this week with the Glorify podcast after a week off in observance of Holy Week. And boy, have I got a great show for you. My dear friend, Tina Wishick has a particular devotion to the Divine Mercy. And so since we've got Divine Mercy Sunday coming up this next Sunday, I asked her to come on the show and share with us a little bit about Divine Mercy, but I'm most excited for you to hear her story about a miracle that she experienced very shortly after her own consecration to merciful love so stay tuned we've got another great show for you Welcome to the Glorify Podcast, where we share stories of God's miraculous work in our lives while seeking to deepen our relationships with the Lord so we can enjoy greater trust and through that trust, greater peace and even joy during difficult times. I'm your host, Stephanie Engelman, inspirational speaker, retreat leader, and the author of A Single Bead, A Story of the Power of Prayer. Are you ready to be inspired? Are you ready to find peace in your heart? It all starts with giving glory to the Lord, and that's what we're here to do. Welcome back to the Glorify podcast. I am excited to be joined by my extraordinarily good friend, Tina Wishick. Tina is a wife and a mother of three young children. She is a former Carmelite nun who spent six years in a cloistered Carmelite monastery, and she is also the hostess with the mostest Airbnb (laughs) hostess extraordinaire who blows my mind with the, the lengths that she goes to to make sure that her guests have the most extraordinary experience. And what else? And she is the girl that loves all things glitter. And that is one of the things that I love most about Tina. <laughs> so we're here wow, today to that talk was about quite, quite the intro. Yeah. Well, we're <laughs> going to talk about a little bit of God's glitter, which is divine mercy. Yeah. And Tina, you have a particular love for divine mercy. So we're going to get into that in a moment. Um, and we're talking about that this week, because this of course is the week leading up to divine mercy Sunday, but Tina, you have a particular small, n- not so small, really amazing way in which the Lord worked in your life. Um, and, and you directly attribute that to divine mercy. So could you share that story with us?
1: Yeah. I mean. Honestly, it's, it's like, um, this quote of St. Therese comes to mind. She says, you know, the mercies of the Lord, I will sing forever. Like it's hard to pinpoint because God's mercy has touched my life in so many ways. So many times it's really, it's showing like the very tip of the iceberg and like 99% of the iceberg is under the water. But, um, the story that I think, um, people are, when I've shared have been, touched by is, you know, I've I've had devotion to divine mercy since I was a teenager. And I read the uh, Divine Mercy in My Soul of St. Faustina Kowalska. And uh, she was a Polish nun, you know, that lived in the 20th century and received these private revelations from Jesus, where he was expressing his desire that the world would turn to him and beseech his mercy and avail themselves of the graces that his mercy wants to bestow on us, the healing, the increase in holiness, coming back from a state of spiritual death to rebirth and life through his mercy. So I've, I've prayed the divine mercy devotions, the chaplets, um, you know, divine mercy Sundays, like there's Christmas, there's Easter, and there's Divine Mercy Sunday. Those are my three my three big ones. Like I almost have them on the same level of of the amount of enjoy and anticipation I have looking forward to Divine Mercy Sunday, um, and it's kind of nice. Divine Mercy Sunday's right after Easter, so it kind of keep that Easter joy floating right into the feast day. But the story that I I've shared um, that I consider really miraculous that I attribute to Divine Mercy is. Um, In February of 2017, I had come across the copy of uh, Father Michael Gately's 33 Days to Merciful Love Consecration, which is based off the spirituality of St. Therese of of Lisieux and and a little bit off of St. Faustina's writings and her revelations from Jesus. And it's the idea behind it is that, you know, in the past, God sought holy souls who would Offer themselves up as victims to God's justice, you know, kind of like unite their suffering with the suffering servant Jesus and take away, you know, some of the punishment that we, our humanity richly deserves, you know, especially as time goes on, it seems like we're begging for justice to rain down upon us. But St. Therese's idea was, well, why should only God's justice have victims? You know, why can't God's mercy, which is... I mean, according to her, his greatest attribute have souls that are completely sacrificed that he could just pour his mercy into instead of his justice, that he could just fill with his grace. Um, you know, he says the flames of mercy are burning me, clamoring to be spent, like just wanting to find a willing recipient. And, you know, we're, we're not open and we're not trusting. And so we don't benefit from, from his great mercy. So I came across this consecration, 33 days of preparation to make an act of oblation to Jesus's merciful love, oblation to the divine mercy. And it's in the spirituality of St. Therese. So I started that, it starts on December 31st. So it's December 20, 31st, 2016. And 33 days later, my consecration day was the presentation of the Lord. And I'm making this devotion and at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm going to daily mass um, often enough at our parish and I just remember one particular day I was in the chapel and I'd received communion and I kind of just looked up and I saw a couple processing up to receive communion and it was a mom, a dad and a baby and it was obvious that the baby was a boy. You know, it was like their son, like a newborn, like fresh, fresh baby. (laughs) Um, And I was just enamored. You know, we had two daughters at the time. I very much wanted two girls back to back. I mean, that was a blessing in itself. Like I just always had this desire to have daughters first, you know, when we when we got married and we're talking about starting a family. And I never really had a desire to have a son. I mean, I wasn't against it, but I just didn't particularly have that desire. I saw this dad carrying this baby up in the communion line and it was just like, struck me like, I want that. I want a baby boy. Like I want a son. I I just was given that desire in that moment. So, you know, um, my husband and I had talked about whether or not we could just emotionally and physically and everything else, like add to our family and He wasn't feeling really comfortable with expanding our family at the time. And here I'm stuck with this huge desire that's just gripped me. And like, I can't i just see baby boys everywhere. I can't like, you know, (laughs) just overwhelming desire. So we had many conversations about it and I felt like I was getting nowhere fast. It was spinning my wheels and we were kind of, you know, it was getting tense. He was feeling pressured about it. I was feeling ignored. Or that you know my my desires weren't being validated or acknowledged or whatever. He had some concerns about his age and just having the stamina and everything to to start over again with a newborn. So, thought, okay, I'm gonna stop arguing with my husband. I'm not getting anywhere fast. We're just aggravating each other, and it's becoming a rift in our marriage. So I just thought I'm gonna go straight to the boss. I'm gonna go straight to the source. So I started going to adoration. I mean, I was going to adoration, but my holy hours and my time in prayer before the blessed sacrament became very intentionally, Lord, I feel this desire in my heart to have another baby. And for whatever reason to have a son in particular, I can't change Anton's heart or mind, but you can. And if you want, want us to have a baby, if and if you decide to bless us with a son, that's something you can do. And I'm going to leave it in your hands and I'm not going to argue with him about it or antagonize him or bring it up or beg or plead or anything. So I continue making my my 33-day preparation. And like I said, it was the feast of the presentation of the Lord, which is significant because that's the mystery where we contemplate Mary and Joseph bring, bringing the baby Jesus to the temple to, to dedicate him to the Lord, right? The firstborn son is dedicated to the Lord. And in the course of me making these prayers before the blessed sacrament, again, it was just something that was in my heart that came over me. It said, pray that if it's God's will, he'll be a holy priest. You know, God can do anything he can give, you know, and a child of vocation and And very specifically, the scripture that was in my heart was, I said, Lord, make him a man after your own heart, the way David, you know, King David was said in scripture to be a man after your own heart, make him a man after your own heart. I have very much in mind, you know, like Hannah coming before Eli, the priest at the temple and she was grieving that she couldn't have a son. And, you know, Eli thinks she's drunk and he wants to kick her out of the temple and everything. And then she realized, you know, he realizes she's just in great sorrow. And I kind of identified with her. It's like, that's what I was doing. I was coming before the Lord asking for a son and then promising pretty much that if it's your will, I'm willing to give him back to your service one day. You know, I've, if you call him to the priesthood, I just ask that you make him a man after your own heart, a holy priest, after a man after your own heart. So I make my consecration on February 2nd. And that year, it was a Thursday that the presentation fell on. Three days later, we were at Sunday mass, my husband and I and our two daughters. And it was a beautiful mass, but I'd say, you know, rather uneventful from my point of view and We got back in the car, and my husband's just kind of sitting there and he's not driving or moving or talking or anything. And usually he's got some comments about, oh, I really like what father said about this, or, you know, it was nice to see so and so. He's just like dead silent. And I look at him and he's pale as a ghost. And he's just like got this shocked, blank expression on his face. And he said, I have to tell you something. I said, Okay what what's wrong and he goes God spoke to me and I was like was it bad and more specifically was it about me (laughs) like are we in trouble (laughs) you know it's not every day that like my husband's not that like a sensational kind of a you know like where he's claims to always hear voices from God or anything like that like this is not him so he says God spoke to me he had received the the Eucharist, the host, and he was walking over to take the chalice to receive the precious blood. And as he's receiving the host, he hears what he understood to be God, the father's voice. He said it was very strong and authoritative and commanding. And the voice said, the calendar is not your concern. And he's kind of like, Heard it distinctly, but didn't understand it. So he takes a few steps over. He walks to take the chalice. And as he's putting the chalice to his lips, he hears, I will decide if you have a son. So he receives the precious blood. He comes and says, My, I don't know any of this is happening. So he's telling me this in the car. And now, mind you, I had dropped this discussion with him weeks before, and I wasn't going to pursue the issue anymore. And I said, well, so what does that mean to you? You know, like, are you saying you're open to talking about having another baby? And he said, I don't want to know anything about your calendar in the terms of my fertility and what time, you know, when we would need to abstain if we were uh, not planning to expand our family there at, at that time. And it also, he took it in the sense of calendar in terms of his longevity, in terms of, his age. And, you know, again, starting, starting with a new life in our family. So we took it to mean like, first of all, God telling him, I'm the Lord of your life, first of all. So if I send you a child, I'm going to make sure you're there for when I want you to be there for him. And secondly, that, you know, he's the one that sends life into the world. He decides if we're going to have another child and if it'll be a son, a daughter, you know, so Anton had this very hands-off. Like, God has clearly got his mind made up about this. He's clearly told me what he wants me to do and not want me to do in terms of trying to avoid, you know, having a baby and stuff. So he he's like, "Yeah, I don't want you to tell me anything about your cycles anymore." Says like, Okay, all the better. <laughs> um, it was about two weeks later that I was pregnant. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it was, yeah, it was the first time my son was born December 1st. It was the first time I was able to attend mass after giving birth to him. So it was probably the fourth or fifth of December, something like that. And I come into mass and I, you know, the entrance antiphon is just starting. And the entrance antiphon for that day was I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, says the Lord. He will do what is in my heart and in my mind, says the Lord. And I was just like an emotional wreck because it was like God telling me, do you remember when you asked me for this? You know, you asked me for a man after my own heart. And here I come to mass and and I just gave birth to my son. And he's telling me, I'm going to raise up for myself a faithful priest, a man who's after my heart and my mind. So again, just to like, kind of all these confirmations, like my my husband and I had decided on the name, Shane, Samuel, Samuel is my husband's father's name. And of course the prophet Samuel was in the forefront of my mind because that was Hannah's prayer. And that was the son that she offered to the temple when Samuel was old enough. Shane, (laughs) Shane is a name that we just both kind of liked, but it's also like, A little bit in reference to um, this old cowboy movie about this very gallant, virtuous, upright cowboy who's kind of like a, you know, he's got a past, he's got a history you don't really know about, but he comes into this small town and he helps these downtrodden people that are being kind of bullied by these wranglers that are trying to push them out of the territory and stuff. And I kind of like that, you know, I don't, I wouldn't think so much of naming my child after a movie or anything, but I like the name Shane anyway, it would just really appeal to me. So I always got to know the meaning of names. So I I look it up and Shane means a gracious gift of God. Samuel means God hears. So his name literally means a gracious gift from God because God hears, Hmm. you know, and I just, it was just the fulfillment of so many prayers and so much just trusting God that his mercy wanted this, his mercy was going to accomplish this. And this was like, after I made my consecration to me, it was just showing me how powerful his mercy was, that he could totally change someone's heart, that he could bring a new life into the world that, you know, he's got his own plans and designs for, for us, for our children. And, you know, his mercy is going to do it. And we just have to trust him and abandon ourselves to him and let him do what he does best. So that's kind of the story that I share that I kind of have uh, my divine mercy baby, as I call it. He's four years old now and (laughs) he's a little ball of fire, but he's also very, very sweet and very, very um, loving and good. Uh, So God willing, maybe someday he will be a, a priest after the Lord's own heart. But in the meantime... We're very grateful for our divine mercy baby and, and that God blessed us with, with
0: a son. So, wow, that's such an incredible story, Tina. Thank you for sharing (laughs) that. So in terms of the divine mercy, as we lead into this divine mercy Sunday, what would you share with our audience about the divine mercy prayer? Could you tell us a little bit about the history of the divine mercy chaplet Mm-hmm. And, um, and then also any preparations that we might be able to make to prepare ourselves and our hearts and our souls for the coming divine mercy Sunday.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple different prayers that, um, Jesus gave through St. Faustina. And one of them is the novena to divine mercy, which begins on good Friday, um, and if, you know, we're a couple days into it, so you could always jump on board and make up the days if you're just hearing about it for the first time now, but um, every day of the Novena, which leads up to the Feast of Divine Mercy, you're praying for a different group of souls that Jesus wants specifically brought to his mercy, you know, the souls of little children, the souls of those in purgatory, the souls of those who are in sin and don't believe in God and are away from the church, you know, there's a different group every day, so that's, kind of like a beautiful spiritual work of mercy to do as you prepare for the feast, because Jesus does ask us to, you know, the ABCs of mercy. It's like act, be merciful. You know, if you can't act, then you can sometimes speak. If you can't act or speak, you could at least pray. You have to show mercy in some way in order to receive mercy. Be merciful, right? As your heavenly father is merciful, be merciful and you'll be shown mercy. So, the novena is one devotion. Also the three o'clock hour is the time that Jesus died on the cross. and he asked that we remember his passion and his death on the cross at the three o'clock hour. He specifically asked St. Faustina if she had the time to make the stations of the cross in that hour that you know that would be a devotion really pleasing to him. So I'd say especially as we lead up to the feast, you know, to, to take a few moments, even if we can't make the whole stations or be in church or whatever to take a few moments to remember Jesus' passion and his death on the cross at the three o'clock hour. And then, of course, there's the chaplet of divine mercy, which is said on rosary beads. And the prayer is offering. It's, it's kind of like in the spirit of the mass, because we're offering to the eternal father, not in the same way the priest does, obviously not in a sacramental way, but in our own love and devotion for, for Jesus, we're offering the eternal father his beloved son, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, and asking for mercy for ourselves and anybody that we're praying for and our intentions because of Jesus's offering, because his passion opened the door for all these graces and mercies to be shed upon us. So, um, and there's, you know, you could look online, there's prayer pamphlets. Um, If you have a copy of the Divine Mercy Diary, Jesus explains to St. Faustine in there how he wants the prayer said and everything. I'd say that those are three really important, um, pleasing devotions to God to prepare for the feast and just to open ourselves as much as we can to the grace that he wants to give us on the Feast of Divine Mercy itself. Um, And then, of course, the biggest grace is going to confession and receiving Holy Communion on the Feast of Divine Mercy. And Jesus promises this complete forgiveness of sins and all the punishment due to them. Um, you know, they said it's like a second, there's been theologians that have said it's like a second baptism because every confession washes away our sin, but not necessarily the punishment that we've merited because of that kind of like our purgatory debt. You know, whatever we don't expiate in this life, we have to expiate in the next life. That's the church's teaching on purgatory. Divine Mercy Sunday takes care of that whole debt, it wipes away the sin and the entire debt. So it's really, it's one special day of the year where to receive that grace. Like I wait all year for that. It's, a, it's like a totally new beginning. And just to be as open as I can be to anything. He said the divine floodgates are opened on that day. So anything that you want to ask God for that's in your heart, as long as it's his will within the realm of his will, if ever there was a day it would be granted, it would be on the feast of divine mercy. So, you know, to spend some time in prayer and just bring all our needs to him and bring all the people that we love and the intentions that are dear to our hearts. I think those would be some of the best ways to prepare for the feast.
0: Well, that's beautiful, Tina. Again, thank you so much. And I, I hope that gives all of us, I know it gives me some good food for thought and some ideas as to how I can more deeply enter into this these next few days and Sunday and making sure that I go to confession beforehand and I there are some parishes that do a special divine mercy mass correct
1: Yeah I uh, they'll have often like a benediction and a holy hour I would let people know often enough the priests aren't able to actually hear the confessions a lot of times at these at these devotions because there's so much to the ceremony, there's veneration of the image, you know, there's a chaplet is prayed. And, you know, so there often isn't enough priests to kind of, so I, I would try to go to confession beforehand. And then, you know, your Sunday obligation, you would be at mass anyway and receive Holy Communion. Or if you're having a communion service during your divine mercy devotion, if they're doing that at your parish, that would be another time. But yeah definitely to take the time to do that and and really prepare well for the feast in those races
0: wonderful well that's pretty incredible that we can have complete remission of all the punishments due for all of our sins what an unimaginable grace what an incredible merciful god we have and uh i just i look forward to being able to avail myself and my family of that grace this weekend and I thank you, Tina, for sharing this information with us and sharing your beautiful story about your son, your Divine Mercy baby. And I look forward to talking with you again.
1: Well, thank you so much. It was an absolute honor and my joy. I, I can always uh, be counted on to share anything about Divine Mercy that you're yes. willing to sit still and hear.
0: <laughs> I should add that as we speak, Tina has <laughs> a large poster size image of Divine Mercy Jesus behind her framed. <laughs> in her prayer room. So he is very much, um, front and center in Tina's devotional life. Yeah.
1: Um, comically enough, he's, uh, he's watching over my eggs right now, not my particular eggs as in the case of my son, but I have little chickens I'm trying to hatch in an incubator. And I figure their best chances would be to have God's rays of mercy shining down on them as the feast rolls around. So, um, yeah, I'm, He's literally watching my eggs right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to have to follow up on this. Tina, Tina ordered how many eggs?
1: Uh, A dozen,
0: a dozen eggs. And they came mail order and typically 50% of them survive. So if Tina's divine mercy, Jesus plan works for her chicken eggs, then we'll have more than a 50% survival rate. (laughs) So stay tuned to at least my Instagram channel. I will, I will keep you posted as to whether Tina's chickens fare better than the average chickens, <laughs>
1: <laughs> my divine mercy chickens. That could be the, the next chapter in my story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we have what, like 19 more days to go now that before yeah. we'll find out if they're all hatching.
1: Yeah, we, I got them in on Easter Sunday. So I thought that, well, Holy Saturday, but then they have to like adjust to temperature and like, so they actually went in there on Easter Sunday. So that'll be a good way for me to remember when they were, you know, put in there and until they hatch and everything. But yeah, we'll have to see if the miracle of mercy extends to my chickens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't wait. I can't wait. And, And I will post more information here or at least on my Instagram channel, I might even have some videos to share of these beautiful little chickens as they hatch. Yes. So very welcome. exciting. Well, thank you, <laughs> Tina. God bless. Thank you.
1: God bless. Thank you, Stephanie.
0: That wraps it up for another episode of the Glorify podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. Please subscribe and please share your comments. I wish you the happiest of Easter octaves and many blessed days to come. Let's go forth and glorify the Lord.